the three are gathered together in his name that he's there in the midst and I want to declare to somebody today that God is in our midst so how are you going to respond to him today man I'm so I'm so so appreciative of the spirit that is here I was talking to sister Pat God's presence is already here ready ready to, ripe and ready to do what he wants to do and I just want to give you a few words and a few instructions. And it's not about a, a sermon. It's not about getting all my points in. It's about getting us to position ourselves for God to do a work. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me this morning? Praise God. I, I love Pastor Edward and his wife, Elissa. They came into my life at a, at a critical point for me. And um, I was 22, graduated from college, came up to Connecticut. And I believe he was the second person I met when I came to Connecticut. And I'm forever thankful for that because they were a voice of encouragement in my life they were a voice of accountability and they taught me so many things about serving the kingdom of God and so I want you to recognize and understand that who God has given you as leaders are precious people and what God has placed inside of them didn't start when this building started to get built but it's something that God I feel the Holy Ghost something that God put inside of them a long time ago and you're seeing the fruits of a lot of prayers you're seeing the fruits of a lot of worshiping when nobody else was worshiping you're seeing a lot of tears at night but the Bible says that weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning I believe today is morning I believe today is the day. I believe that God is ready right now to do a work, to give somebody the breakthrough, to give somebody the blessing that you've been seeking. Oh, hallelujah. I'm just going to do what I feel. I just want to get right into the word. I just want to jump into it. I want to talk this morning about a formula for a breakthrough. We'll just read a short passage of scripture and then you can be seated. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 32. And we're talking about the story of Jacob here. It says, and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. That word wrestled in the Hebrew is the only time in the Hebrew Bible where the word wrestled is used as a verb. But this man came and wrestled with Jacob until the breaking of the day. Verse 25. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. Or in other words, that man that was wrestling with Jacob literally pulled his hip out of socket. I don't know. I tried to, I tried to look it up and, and um, I asked my wife. She uh, has a nurse background. How much force does it take to pull someone's hip out of their socket? Maybe Alyssa knows, I don't know. But to me, that seems like superhuman strength. That seems like something supernatural. But he, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So now Jacob is feeling some pain. Let's go to verse, the next verse. And he said, let, and he said, oh, sorry. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. As he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Jacob had a determination. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. That's going to be important. We'll talk about that in a moment. And he said, thy name shall no more be called Jacob, 
but Israel. For as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men and has prevailed. So that man changes Jacob's name. Keep going, next verse. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. Next verse. And Jacob called the place, the name of the place, Peniel. That word Peniel means seeing God face to face. He says, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. Next verse. For the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. Amen. And we're going to read one more scripture in Psalm 24, verses 3 through 6. It says this, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. God's looking for people with clean hands, pure hearts. Not perfect, but a purity, a desire for purity. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord, just like Jacob did, and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. See, when the angel changed Jacob's name, he gave him righteousness. And here's the cool thing. The next verse says, This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Or if you read other translations, it says, O God of Jacob. So here's the cool thing right before you're seated. Jacob has this experience that we read about in Genesis 32, wrestling with an angel. Twelve generations later, David's writing about, if you want to seek God's face, look no further than what my ancestor Jacob did. If you want to get into God's presence, look no further than what my ancestor Jacob did. And there's a generation rising up in West Hartford that is going to seek God's face. Because long ago, a blueprint was put forth of how we could seek God's face. Come on, let's just raise our hands right now. Let's just ask the Lord to bless us right now. Lord Jesus, we love you. We honor you, God. We thank you for this time we have together. Lord, and I just pray that your word would come forth right now, God. That breakthroughs, God, would come forth right now. That someone would get into your presence and seek your face, God. And that they would be forever changed today, God. Oh, we thank you for it, Lord. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Praise God. You may be seated. Tonight, or not tonight, we won't be here tonight, but today we are talking about the formula for a breakthrough. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, a formula for a breakthrough. Now, a formula provides a clear plan or method to arrive at a desired result. We're all familiar with formulas, especially I have an engineering education, and formulas help us to understand how to get to an expected result, all right? So just real quick, the physics, the, the, our world is, um, can be described by physics, right? And if I hold my wallet up here, it's got what's called potential energy. It's got a mass, 
There's the acceleration of gravity. And don't worry, we're not going to get into a physics lesson. And it's got a height. And now when I, when I drop this wallet, what happens is right before it hits the ground, it's got a certain velocity that it's traveling with. So there's a formula that says the mass times the gravity times the height of an object, potential energy, stored up energy, can be converted into kinetic energy, which is something that is moving. So right before this wallet hits the ground, right before it hits the ground, there's a velocity that it's traveling with. That, it, that formula is one half of the mass of that wallet times the velocity that it's traveling with. So the reason I tell you all that is a, a, an engineer, one of the first things you learn in school is that if you're just using gravity and you want something to hit the ground traveling a certain speed, then you can calculate how high you need to drop it from. So why do I tell you that? Formulas give us a plan so that we can come to an expected result. So we can come to a predicted point. And I'm here today to tell someone that the same is true in the spirit realm. That there are certain things that we can do. There are certain activities that we can engage in and it will bring us to an expected result. Now, what I'm not saying is that God is not a robot and God is not a vending machine and you can't go in and plug in E34 and get a Snickers bar from God. But God does have certain principles and certain things that he requires of any person that is coming to him. And if we will make up in our mind today, kind of like we were doing a little earlier, if we will make up in our mind to align ourselves with God's word and to follow his formula, to follow his plan and to place ourselves into divine position, you know what happens? We end up getting God's attention. And God will come and meet us right where we are. I'm talking about there are formulas in the word of God to get what you need from him. For example, the Bible says, seek and ye shall. The Bible says, knock and it shall be. These are principles from the word of God. Sometimes things won't get open for you until you knock. Or you won't find certain things from God until you seek. But here's my, one of my favorite formulas for the, from the Old Testament, and it's in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, if my people, raise your hand if you're a child of God in the house today, if you're one of God's people. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, this is God speaking, and turn from their wicked ways, so there's the formula. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn. There's got to be some action in it. You gotta, sometimes you've got to make a turn. You've got to change your decision. You've got to change your way of thinking and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I don't know about you. Do you, do you want your land to be healed? Do you want your sins to be forgiven? Do you want to hear from heaven? Do you want his presence to come on you this morning? There's a formula to arrive at an expected end. And that's why Jeremiah said, Jesus speaking through Jeremiah said, I know the plans that I have for you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you, look at it, to give you an expected end. 
God has something for Lighthouse this morning. God has an expected end for West Hartford. God has an expected end for every believer who is willing to align themselves of God's principles and his formulas. And today we're talking about a formula for a breakthrough. Turn to your neighbor and say, a formula for a breakthrough. Now, I just want to dispel a myth about breakthroughs very quickly. Sometimes, especially in the, in the church culture, the word breakthrough gets a negative connotation. Because if you need a breakthrough, that means, oh, man, you got something in your life that's, that's not right. You know, it's like, you know, if someone comes up to you and say, come on, come to the altar, man, I want you to get a breakthrough. You know, someone might get offended by that. But here's the way that I interpret breakthroughs, all right? You, there are times when we need breakthrough or deliverance from a situation. And there are certain times when we need God to break through and, and answer a prayer. But sometimes a breakthrough is just reaching the next level that God has for you. Sometimes a breakthrough is just stepping into a new level of authority and identity in the name of Jesus. Sometimes a breakthrough, see, I need a breakthrough today. Every day that I wake up, you know what Paul said? I'm pressing toward the mark of the high calling. So every day I, I wake up, there's, there's a place that God wants me to get to. There's an expected end for that day that God is requiring of me, and I need to break through. I need to break through. I need to, I need to just walk through it in the name of Jesus. So you see, breakthrough is not a bad thing. Breakthrough is actually a good thing. And any Christian who's really pursuing God is looking for the next breakthrough, is looking for the next, the next step, the next level. You know, the Bible, uh, not the Bible, but people say new levels, new devils. So we got to keep breaking through and attain that next level of authority in the spirit of God. Because we can't stay stagnant. We can't get comfortable with where we are. We can't just allow ourselves to kind of sit in mediocrity. But if you look at anyone in the Bible, you could see that, man, they were righteous. They were doing great things, but they never got satisfied. That they kept pressing toward the mark. That they kept looking for the next breakthrough. And even in Hebrews, it says some of those people died never seeing the fruit or seeing the end of what they wanted to do on this side of glory. But their hearts were determined for a breakthrough. And so today, we want to follow the formula for a breakthrough. And we're going to do that by looking at the life of Jacob. Looking at the life of Jacob. Now, Jacob was an interesting character, and, and the name Jacob, you know, the names in Old Testament mean something. Names in the Old Testament reveal something about the person's character and sometimes prophetically about their destiny. And I don't know if you know what the name Jacob means, but it means heel grabber. Why did they, why did they name him that? Well, when Jacob was born... Matter of fact, even before Jacob was born, his mother, Rebecca, was having twins. Like someone, Sister Myra's having some twins here shortly, I believe, right? Praise God. Kevin, I'm going to be praying for you. <laughs> but Rebecca was having twins. And the Bible says that uh, in Genesis, I think it's 25, 22, that the children were struggling within her. So there was Jacob and Esau in her stomach. And, and even from before Jacob came out of the womb, he kind of had this rivalry going on with his brother. And when Esau came out first at the time for them to be born, 
they found that Jacob's hand was grasping on the heel of his brother Esau. In other words, he's like, man, I really want to be first. But if I can't be first, I'm not going to be left here. And he was, he was holding on to the heel of Esau. So they called him a heel grabber. Jacob means a heel grabber. But, you know, if you study the name Jacob out in the Hebrew, it also means trickster. It also means deceitful. It also means a liar, a, a deceiver. So it's like, man, why would you name your son that, you know? And, you know, uh, the interesting thing is, is that a lot of times in life, we take on these labels. Some, maybe it's a label that your parent gave you. Or maybe it's a label that you just picked up as you were a child, that people just spoke it on you. And Jacob has picked up this label of being a heel grabber, of being a deceiver, of being someone who can't be trusted. And Jacob had to deal with that his whole life. And the unfortunate thing for Jacob was he ended up, at the beginning of his life, living down to that label. He lived, he, he lived down. I don't say he lived up to the label, but he lived down to the label. In other words, he let what people assumed of him and what people were calling him manifest in his life. And I want to stop here and tell someone, it doesn't matter what anyone has labeled you. It doesn't matter what anyone's perception of you is. Because the only opinion that really matters is what God thinks of you. And so we cannot allow ourselves like Jacob did to live down to the labels that people place on us. Sometimes we got to break them off. And as we read and as we'll get to in a moment, we'll see that Jacob finally sheds that label. But Jacob had a lot of problems, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that the Bible lets us know um, that Jacob had a lot of problems. And I say that because God's not always looking for perfect people. Matter of fact, God is never really looking for perfect people. And Jacob was not perfect. He, like I said, he was living down to his label. And you know what he did? He ended up tricking his brother, had his brother sell him his birthright for a bowl of soup. He ended up deceiving his father. You know, Jacob really just always wanted affirmation from his father, which is the right thing to want. But he took the wrong way to try and get that affirmation. So he ends up tricking and deceiving and lying to his father, putting together this whole elaborate plan just to try to get that blessing and approval from his father. I've seen so many young men in my life that have just been looking for affirmation from their fathers and have taken so many roundabout ways and so many deceitful ways to try and, and get something that they, they really need. And this is where we find Jacob. And so, you know, the Bible says, Here's another formula for you. Whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. So what we find with Jacob is that after he tricks his brother, now he's on the run because his brother wants to kill him. His brother's angry. His brother's upset because Jacob took over the birthright and the blessing. Those were the two things that were reserved for the eldest son. And he stole that from his brother. And now Jacob is on the run and he's running for his life. And guess what? He goes and he finds his uncle Laban in a faraway land, and he starts working from him. And here's where Jacob's problems really started to uh, pile on top of each other. Because where at first he was deceiving people, now Jacob is getting deceived. Because when he comes to Laban, he says, I'm going to work for you seven years because I, I like your daughter, Rachel. I really want to marry her. And uh, to, to all our young ladies in the room, make, make that man pursue you. Make him work for you before you marry him. 
And that's what Jacob did, but you guess what happened? Guess what happened is that Laban ends up tricking Jacob into marrying his oldest daughter, Leah. And then he says, if you work for me another seven years, Jacob, then you can have Rachel. And when I, I really started to think about it, I'm like, man, okay, Jacob, you wanted Rachel. I understand that you worked seven years. You did an honorable thing. But now you're reaping a little bit where you, you sowed. You were a deceiver. Now you're being deceived. That's a principle from the word of God. And, and, uh, and I'm like, Jacob, was it really a smart thing to marry two sisters? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. And, and what you can see play out is that Jacob has these two wives, and there's a rivalry going on between them. Kind of just like there was a rivalry going on between him and Esau. Now it's manifested later on in Jacob's life. Because like the Bible says, we, we reap what we sow. And so Jacob's got marriage problems. He's got these wives that are rivaling against each other. And then they bring their handmaidens into it. And, you know, Jacob, I want you to have a son by my handmaiden, Leah says. And then Rachel says, oh, I want you to have a son by my handmaiden. And now Jacob's got all these kids. He's got all this pressure. He's got all this stress. And guess what? Not only did he have family pressure, not only did he have marriage pressure, but his father-in-law was his boss. And the Bible says, if you read it from Genesis 25 on through 32, that Uncle Laban, his boss, who's also his father-in-law, changed his wages 10 times. I don't know if any of us would stay at a job if every day we came in, he said, oh, you know what? I was paying you $15 an hour, but today I'm going to pay you $13.50. Is that all right? You're my family, so, you know, we're, it's all good. And Laban would actually take away any chance of Jacob trying to prosper. And he would do all these deceitful things to Jacob. But guess what? God was with Jacob, even through all of this. God was with him. He had dreams. He had visions of the stairway of heaven. And he just was like, man, I, the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. What I want to say to someone today is if you have mounting pressure at home, if you have mounting pressure on the job, if you have mounting pressure in your marriage, hold on. And just don't give up because God's presence is there and you may not even know it. You may not even realize it, that God is right there with you. And he's just waiting for us to follow the formula for a breakthrough. Raise your hand this morning if you want a breakthrough. Oh, in the name of Jesus, prepare our hearts, Lord, and prepare our minds, God, for what you're about to do in the name of Jesus. We believe for breakthrough, God. We believe. I speak new levels. I speak new levels of understanding. I speak new levels of hunger and desire. Oh, to reach a place that you have prepared, God, for this church. An expected end in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord for a moment? So when pressure starts to mount, as Christians, we have two choices we can make. We can either let that pressure push us away from God. We can get bitter. We can get angry. We can get, you know, we can look at other people and say, why not me? Why isn't it happening for me? Or we can allow that pressure to cause a desire to stir up within us and push us into the presence of God. And push us into the presence of God. Here's the beautiful thing about Jacob. Jacob's running from his brother. Jacob's running from the calling that God has on his life. 
and Jacob doesn't realize that as he's running from all these things in his life, that God is chasing after him, that God keeps coming and trying to touch him, that God comes up to him and says, you know what? <laughs> I got something for you. <laughs> just like I was with Abraham and just like I was with Isaac, I'm going to be with you. I know it doesn't seem that way right now, but God was touching Jacob even through all of this mess that he had really got himself into, that God was with him. And so Jacob's back is against the wall now. And, you know, as his nature is, he was trying to manipulate the situation to kind of get some peace with his brother. He's like, maybe if I send him a bunch of gifts that maybe, maybe he won't try to kill me anymore. And he sends his servants to go off and get word from his brother. And his servants come back and they tell him, Esau as well, and he's coming to meet you. He's like, all right, great, Esau's coming to meet you. And he's coming with 400 of his men. And Jacob's like, oh, God, God, I've been praying. I've been trying to clean things up. And my brother, my problems, my past is still after me. And so he has a choice to make. You know what he does? He brings his family over the river called Jabbok. Here's a cool thing about the river called Jabbok, all right? So I didn't, I, I probably should have given the media team a map, but his brother and his 400 men were coming from the south. The Jordan River was on the, uh, the west side of them, and uh, they were on the east side, the east bank of the Jordan River, and the Jabbok River, it's kind of like a little stream that kind of goes straight across. And you know what he does? They were on the, the other side of the river, basically the bank opposite of the south, and he actually takes his family and he crosses that river and he puts them closer to where Esau and that oncoming 400 men are coming from. So he actually, instead of keeping that river Jabbok between them and say, hey, at least, you know, if we hear them kind of splashing in the water, we know that they're close and so we, can, we can head north the other way. He actually puts his family, he divides them into two camps and he puts them on the other side of the river. And he then goes back and stays on the north side of the Jabbok River. But here's the cool thing. You know what the name Jabbok means? It means emptying. And so here's step number one for a breakthrough. It's getting alone with God. It's getting alone with God. And so Jacob says, you know what? I love my family, but they're distracting me right now. I'm going to put them on the other side of the river. And you know what? I, I, I've worked hard for these possessions and these things that I've gained. But you know what? Right now, these things that I gained in this life, they can't really help me. So I'm going to go and put them on the, on the south side of the Jabbok River. And then he says, and I'm going to make my way back to the north side of the Jabbok River. And when he does that, he's crossing the Jabbok River, which means emptying. Or in other words, not only was he getting alone with God, but then Jacob is now emptying himself before the Lord. He's humbling himself before the Lord. Step one, we got to get alone with God. And sometimes getting alone in a place like this, in an atmosphere like this, doesn't mean leaving and going somewhere where nobody is. But it means closing your eyes and, and focusing on God and not worrying about what the person next to you is doing and not worrying about what so-and-so might think, but focusing on God. And sometimes we got to put family on a place so that we can focus on God. Sometimes we got to put our job in a certain priority so that we can have a place to get alone with God. So my question to you today is, when's the last time you've really gotten alone with God? If you want to break through, you got to ask yourself, when's, when's the last time I've, I've cleared my schedule 
and I've gotten alone with God. When's the last time you've crossed the river, Jabbok, and you emptied yourself before the Lord and you said, God, I've got all these problems, I've got these situations, and I don't have the solution And everything I try to do to fix it, it just makes it worse. And God, I'm coming here today to say I'm emptying myself before you. And you know what true worship is, as Brother Ford was talking about, Pastor Edward? He's saying that we just lavish God. We give him everything. We give him everything. There's an emptying. There's a humbling step that has to take place before every breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Before every breakthrough, there's a humbling, that there's an emptying. We have to get to that place that Jacob got to and said, you know what? I don't care about anything else right now, but what I really care about is giving myself wholeheartedly to the Lord. Peter said, cast your cares on him, for he careth for you. Cast it. Empty yourself. Empty yourself. We can get so weighted down and so bombarded with so many things of this life that cloud the voice of God and cloud and distract us from our true purpose. And so we got to get to that place of a Jabbok River and we got to put some distance between us and our distractions and we got to become with one desire. We got to come with one desire. And sometimes God is just looking to see how much do you really want it? How much are you really willing to empty? How much are you willing to worship? How much are you willing to give of yourself to get the breakthrough that you're looking for? And when Jacob came back to the north side of the Jabbok River, that's where God met him. And the Bible says they began to wrestle. Come here, Junior. I'm I'm picking you because I'm thinking, at least for now, you won't be able to beat me in a wrestling match. (laughs) But they began to put put your hands on my shoulder. They began to wrestle. Thank you, babe. Put your other hand on me. They began to wrestle. And you know what's cool about this is that the Bible says this is not something that, that Jacob initiated. Jacob got himself alone before God. And I'm sure, no doubt, Jacob was praying. And Jacob was emptying himself. Don't, don't, don't go anywhere yet. <laughs> but the wrestling part, the angel of the Lord initiated that. What does that mean for you and I? When we will... Get alone with God when we will humble ourselves and repent, turn from our wicked ways. Then God says, now I can put my hands on you. Now I can really do some things. I can really bring some new order to your life. I can really kind of pull on that leg and pull it out of socket. And you might feel some pain, but what God is saying is that though there's pain in that offering, there's a reason that I'm pulling that joint out of socket. I'm trying to pull some things out of you. Thank you trying to pull some things out of you. He was a good wrestler, wasn't he? But you know, the cool thing is, Jacob wasn't really wrestling against an angel, although in the, in the natural that is true. You know what Jacob was really wrestling against? It was his will versus God's will. And it's the same wrestling match that each one of us have to face today. Every day we wake up, is it going to be my will Or is it going to be God's will? Is it going to be God's way or is it going to be my way? Am I going to force things? Am I going to try to figure things out? Am I going to try to do my own thing to make all my problems go away? Or am I going to let God have his way? And God had to wrench Jacob's hip bone out of the socket. I don't know about you, but that sounds like pain. And sometimes when God starts to get his hands on us and form us, there's some pain involved. There's a, there's a brokenness that has to take place. 
there's some things that God just has to break down within us. Did you know that the, 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 the leg muscles are the strongest muscles in the human body? And that's what I said, you know, when, is it, it going to be my will or is it going to be God's will? Is it going to be God's way or is it going to be my way? And God said, at least you got to a place of humility and you got alone where now I can start to make you broken. And the first thing he does is that he takes Jacob's leg and he pulls it out of socket. So he's taking away Jacob's will. He's taking away the strength of Jacob's will and he's breaking him down. He's breaking him down. And then once we reach a place of brokenness, once we've repented, once we've humbled ourselves, now God is ready to do his part. Once we've seek, now you got to imagine this. Jacob is now face to face with God. And the angel asks him, he says, what is your name? And Jacob says, I'm Jacob. He admits his shortcomings. He admits who he was, who he became, the, the labels that he allowed to take hold in his life. He says, I'm Jacob. I am that man. You know, his will has been broken now, and he could admit, I am that man. I am Jacob. And then here's where God does his part. So Jacob got alone with God. Jacob humbled himself before the Lord, and Jacob was determined to seek his face. Like that verse we read, he said, I won't let go until you bless me. Sometimes we just got to keep seeking God. When you haven't received the answer, you got to keep seeking him. When you haven't seen the blessing yet, you got to keep seeking him. you got to keep pressing forward. Anything in this life worth really obtaining is worth fighting for. And Jacob was fighting all night long, and now he had followed God's formula. He was broken before the Lord. He, he was with the Lord face to face. And what drove him there was all his problems and situations. And he thought that that's what he really needed a touch for was to change his problems and his situations. But when God got his hands on Jacob, he said, I don't necessarily want to change your problems and situations, but I want to change you. I want to give you a new nature. I want to give you a new heart. I want to give you power and authority in the spirit realm. And I want to put my name on you. And he said, he said, no longer shall the name be called Jacob. He's casting off the label off of him. He's saying, from here forward, your name will be Israel. For as a prince, you have power with God and with man. God wants to anoint some princes in this room today. God wants to take people to a new level of experience, a new level of authority, a new level of walking and trusting in God. And you will have power with God. But guess what? When that problem on your job, you can walk in power and authority. And you can have power and authority over the atmosphere on your job. You can walk into a home that might be a little dysfunctional like Jacob's home was. But instead of walking in like Jacob, he was walking in as Israel. And he had power and he had authority. Oh, can we all stand this morning? Hallelujah, hallelujah. See, Jacob gives us the blueprint for the formula for a breakthrough. He gives us the blueprint. And you know what? When he left that encounter, he walked differently because he halted upon his thigh. He walked differently. And when you truly come to God face to face, you will walk differently when you leave that place. But you will leave with more power and more authority than you've ever had before you got marriage problems, seek God face to face. 
and let the power of God work through you in your marriage. If you have problems with your boss or problems on the job, seek God's face and allow God to give you power and authority over that boss. That boss may be over you in the natural, but because you're a prince, because of your relationship to the king, you have power and authority over that situation on your job. God wants Lighthouse to walk with power and authority through the streets of West Hartford, and I feel it so strong in the spirit. That if we as people will seek God face to face, if we will, if we will go for broke, if we will give it our all, if we will do what God requires, if we will get alone with him, if we will humble ourselves and repent, and if we will not give up, if we will seek God with our whole heart, if we will do our part, then God will do his part. God will do his part. But we have to have that determination like Jacob that says, I won't let go until you bless me, Lord. I won't let go, God, until I change, God. I won't let go until my nature, till I've casted off the old labels, till I've casted off the old man, till I've put my past behind me and I press towards the mark of where you're calling me. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I'm talking about a breakthrough. How bad do you want it this morning? How much desire do you have inside of you today? God is willing, God is ready, but he's looking for people that will follow the formula, that will put themselves into position. And that's why David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in his temple. Ah, uh, we're talking about one thing this morning. He pushed everything on the other side of the river. He says, I'm just after one thing. And I wonder this morning if there's anyone who's really after one thing. Maybe you've been pursuing some other things and maybe you've allowed some things to creep into your life that you thought would bring you satisfaction. But maybe this morning you've come to the revelation that you're really after one thing. And that one thing is for God to change us. It's for us to empty ourselves before the Lord and allow him to fill us up and put his name and his power and his authority in our life. I don't know if there's anyone here today who's never had that first breakthrough of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if you haven't this morning, it's, this, it's the same formula. It's coming to an altar and getting alone with God, focusing on Him. It's coming to an altar of repentance and humbling of ourselves and saying, God, I'm just emptying out myself before you. Everything I've tried up to this point hasn't worked, but God, today... I admit who I am, I admit that I'm in need, and I admit that I, I, I can't do this on my own. And then there needs to be a determination to seek God's face, to seek God's face until, to pray until something happens. To be like the generation of Jacob that said, I won't let go, God, until you bless me. I won't let go until you change me. I won't let go until something happens in my life. <laughs> you know what the beautiful thing is? I feel this prophetic word in my heart that God spoke to me. Once we break through, then God will break forth. Once
as we break through, God will break forth. There's something that we have to do to break through. There's something that we have to do to break through. But then once we've broken through, God wants to break forth and do things that we never expected him to do. Jacob just thought that he was trying to get rid of his problems, but he didn't realize that God was making him into a holy nation of people. That God was making him into a holy nation of people. So when he broke through and became Israel, his whole family, their destiny changed. And I know that there's some parents or there's some caregivers in here today that you got little eyes looking at you. You got children that are too young to realize what's going on. And the prophetic word is if you will break through, then God will break forth and change the destiny of your family. God will break forth and change the destiny of the little ones that are looking at you. When you break through, when you break through, then God will break forth. I don't know if there's anyone who wants to come up this morning and come before God and say, I want to break through. 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 I want it, Lord. I want it. I want it so that you can break forth. So that you can break forth, Lord. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.